This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. In Portland, Oregon, when a group of mostly white mothers showed up to protest in solidarity. I realized that there was something about it that I found troubling. Robin Gavon, celebrated writer from the Washington Post and an African-American woman was conflicted. I was distressed that there seemed to be such a need. Coming up in this episode of Colors. This is our 15th episode. We thought it'd be different in this podcast to, instead of having a guest on, as we usually do, to just talk to each other about what's on our mind. Yep. And equally important, what's on your mind, because we've now been getting email. We're going to get into some of those and some really interesting issues between us. Do you, uh, when you're with black friends, do you guys ever kiddingly or affectionately use the N-word with each other ever? That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. I'm Chris Core, and I'm white. I'm J.J. Green, and I'm black. And this is Colors. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hi, J.J. What's up? So part of what really gets me going is music, and I've told you in the past that I was a DJ, a club DJ, a mixed DJ, a guy who did dance party mixes for a living before I got fortunate enough to find my way in the news business. And so, you know, we have these little music vignettes that start our show and i just wondered what you think of yeah i mean i I mean it's fine i'm not uh i mean it's fine and i know that there's you're supposed to say you're supposed to say you love it to use and all that you're supposed to say you love it oh i am okay let's let's start from let's start from the top three two one i'm chris core and i'm white i'm jj green and i'm black and this is colors hey buddy how you doing Hi, JJ. What's up? So um, we're back here again. And, you know, we have these little music vignettes that start our show. And I just wondered what you think of. Yeah. Oh, I like him. You do a good job of finding them. I don't know where they all come from. Never heard of some of these artists. How do you do it? Would you believe it if I told you I did it all myself? What do you mean you did it all yourself? <laughs> no, I'm joking. But no, thank you. It I, is. I'd be pretty impressed if you did. I was going <laughs> to teach me something. But we're here for a different reason, right? Yep. Tell us what we're here for. Well, we thought it'd be different in this podcast to, instead of having a guest on, as we usually do, to just talk to each other about what's on our mind and equally important what's on your mind, because we've now been getting email at the colors podcast at gmail.com that's right and uh we've been hearing from people who have questions uh, or have ideas of things we should talk about so we thought maybe we'd take some time to do that yeah you know and honestly this is one of the things that i think really make this program work is hearing from people who are not not necessarily you know newsmakers or or, or famous people but the you know, regular average folks who are out there every day 
Um, and I can't call them average under any circumstances because these people are heroes. They're out there every day dealing with the craziness that we all deal with, but deal with it in a different way. But we do get these emails. And so I want to read one to you and ask you what you think about it, Chris. Okay. So there's one that came from Greg Christian, and we got it on the 24th of August. And he said, hi, JJ and Chris, I just caught up on your podcast, just having listened to several, including the one with the Sergeant Major of the Army. And I have a a couple of observations and questions. He said, Chris, you asked during the podcast with the Sergeant Major about completing the race block on forms. I had a white classmate in high school who thought human was a good response. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Human's fine. Uh, American um, or just leave it blank. What I just what I mentioned on uh, that podcast was that I stopped putting unless I think it's absolutely relevant. For example, on the census, I think it's relevant. Or if I'm at a doctor's office and it's relevant because there are underlying medical conditions based on your uh, ethnic background, that's relevant. If it's just answering the question because they want to know it's none of their business, so I just don't answer it, or I write American. You know, I remember your response, you know, when you were talking to the sergeant major about that. You asked him if you (laughs) if he thought you were just being belligerent. (laughs) Well, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm being a little rebellious in doing it, but it's none of their business, unless I think it is. And if it's something that I think is it's relevant to the, you know, why they're asking it, and I can understand the question, but I, I honestly get it. Sometimes I look at it and go, well, what difference does it make? Yeah. What difference does it make? So I just don't do it. I yeah, refuse. I agree. You know, uh, Greg also had a follow-up question. He said, during the podcast, the Sergeant Major said they've removed photos from records of soldiers being considered for promotion. He writes, I think it would be prudent if they removed names as well. There are studies, he writes, that show that black-sounding names get less favorable consideration than white-sounding ones. If they are looking to level the playing field, it seems that they should make a completely blind evaluation. Any thoughts? Getting into that, I would say I'm not sure what a black-sounding name... Thank you. Thank you. I was just going to say, can we define what a black-sounding name is? Well, I mean, if he's talking about a name that is of African descent, I get that, but, you know... Even that is a little skeptical. I can be, there's some skepticism about that. What do you think, though? I, I well, I that you said just exactly what I was going to say is like it 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 bothers me if somebody says, "Well, that's a black sounding name." What do you mean it's a black sounding name? I mean, I, I don't know. It's a name, and if you're saying that you like. Uh, I, I don't know. See, I, it, maybe because it's spelled differently than you would spell another. But, you know, uh, uh, people do that of all races. They just decide, you know, I don't want to spell Linda L-I-N-D-A. I'm going to spell it L-Y-N-D-I-E or, you know, whatever. And it, I don't think it has an ethnic background to it. I, I'm I'm not for Greg. I'm not offended at Greg. I'm, I'm a little offended at the question per, personally. That's just my take. The, as, far, as far as putting the names up, uh, no, I think the name should, should be there. And I, I, I understand what he's saying is that you should just judge the body of work. I don't have a problem. You could just use the last name then if you don't, I mean, are, are there black sounding last names too? I, I, I don't, I would argue that I, there, I would argue that there may be more of those um, than, really? yeah. I mean, for instance, people who have um, names from their native countries, you know, from their native languages, from... Okay, so 
there's a basketball player. His last name is Oladipo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oladipo is derived from the the Yoruba language, and, and, and that's an ethnic group from, I believe, uh, eastern Nigeria. And, and their culture, their history, dates back to the 10th or the 11th century. I mean, that very clearly is, I think, what Greg is getting at. Um, do you think that matters? I hadn't given it much thought. Um, I, again, I... It, uh, what about Matumbo? Dikimbe Matumbo? I, I, I figured that, the, that we started down the basketball road, we were going to hit him eventually. Um, but yeah, you I get see, the I point, though. Point. You get his point, though. Yeah, I see your point. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I think the photographs was a good idea. The last name... I don't know how you do it exactly anyway. So what do you do? Uh, here is somebody applying for this job. Here are all the qualifications and just give the person a number. I actually sure. think I he mean, may have, he may if, have, a, if, if that, if that levels the playing field, of course. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say he may actually have a good point there because he take, may have a good point. Yeah. Take the names yeah. completely out, you know, take any opportunity out. And then anybody that's going to make a racist or a decision that's based on prejudice or hate is going to really have to work to find something. Um, but, you know, it's kind of sad that we have to do that. But, you know, I get what he's saying. You know, there's another question that we got, too. And, um, you know, I'm really, really happy about this particular question. Um, I'm happy about all of them. But, but um, you know, the reason why I'm happy about it has less to do with the question, but more about the timing of it. We got this question on July 7th, which was just after we started this podcast. The reason we're just getting to it now is because sometimes in the world of uh, podcast and media, the actual uh, technical back end or whatever you, you call it is a little slow. And we're just now getting this question. But this comes from Joey. And Joey, we apologize that we're just getting to this now. Joey writes, I have a question. I'm an Afro-Latino Puerto Rican. He said, I grew up in New York City. Today, as a 53-year-old, I find that the Latino and African-American community is divided. I've come across terms like bean eaters, meet or meet up people, the Julios, Specs, and wetbacks. They are not coming from white people. It's coming from my coworkers that are African-American. How do we deal with these issues in our community? Well, I think this is the perfect place to offer the advice that we do every week. Look, if you're working with somebody and that person uses that term beaner or uh, wetback or something like that, that's when you say, hey, Bob, I know you may not mean any offense by that or you're kidding, but it bothers me. So please don't use, you know, you know that I am I'm Hispanic. Right. And you know that that is an offensive term. So, you know, I, I don't want to start anything. And you're my friend. You're my coworker, But don't talk like that around me. OK, because that bothers me. I mean, I'm just yeah. just right up front, say it. And, you know, it's not like when you and I have talked before about how do you open the door if you want to discuss these things that opens the door. If somebody uses a derogatory term around you, he has given you permission to be able to say to him, no, stop. I don't want to. Please don't use that word around me. That offends me. You have permission to go ahead and say something. And that's how I see it. Yeah. Good answer. May I weigh in on this? Yeah, of course. So 
You know, I was asking the question to you, but if you were to ask that question of me, how do we deal with these issues in our community when you have an African-American that uses terms like that? Mm-hmm. I would say to Joey, first of all, tell that guy what your name is or that woman, whoever uses that term, to tell him what your name is and that they don't have any other privilege to call you anything else or anybody that you know anything else other than what their name is. And if you don't know their names, you ask them. But you don't use those terms to describe people. That is, that's hateful. That is hate speak. That is racist. And it doesn't matter who it's coming from. Whether it's an African American, whether it's a white American, whether it's any kind of person using those terms, those are derogatory terms. Do not use them. Do not tolerate them. And when people do use them, let them know that you disagree. Let them know that you won't tolerate it. And also, as Chris said, uh, um, sorry, invite them to have a conversation about it. Do you, uh, when you're with black friends, do you guys ever kiddingly or affectionately use the N-word with each other ever? No. Well, so I'll give you an example. So um, this was, I think, at the White House Correspondents Dinner, and the entertainer was Larry Whitmore. Is that how you say his name? I, I, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's African-American, and uh, President Obama was there, and it was the last year of being president, and he said something like, you did, you did good, N-word. And I, I was listening to this and I was appalled. And I, I just thought, don't, don't, he's the president of the United States. Don't be calling him that. Don't ever call anybody that, even if you're both black. And so anyway, it, it, it offended me. That's the only reason that I, I brought it up. Um, yeah. Is there more to that, to that email or, or is that, does that cover pretty much everything you had to say? No, that email is it. And uh, that's a pretty heavy email. But I, th- I loved your answer though. I loved your answer. You're listening to Colors. My name is Susie Askew. I am a Korean-American living in Tacoma, Washington. I am the product of the U.S. military overseas. My biological father was an Ecuadorian immigrant serving in the U.S. Air Force stationed in Korea. My stepfather, who brought my family to the U.S., is African-American from Memphis. He was the youngest of 12 children, with the military being his most viable option to make a better life for himself. My mother, who raised two biracial children in the U.S. as a single working mom, struggled through language barriers so that I could become a school administrator and my younger brother a police officer. Navigating American life with the intersection of all these identities can be difficult. I often feel that white America struggles to understand how personal lived experiences intersect with the political and the systemic. Hi, I'm Neil Augenstein. I'm in in my 23rd year as a reporter with WTOP. I'm 61 years old, white, Jewish, grew up in the suburbs of New Haven, Connecticut. It was a great place to grow up and go to school and play a different sport with friends each day of the year. I had two black kids in my grade school class. I didn't have a single black teacher all the way through high school. And uh, when I look back at it now, that seems like a shame. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. With Chris Kaur and J.J. Green. 
I got a couple of more questions that I want to ask you uh, on this program about. Um, and the one that I've been thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about this for a long time is the thing that I call noble causes and suspicious motives. You ever run into people who they are championing a, a very necessary cause. They're, they're, they're out there on the front lines doing some very hard, tough, good work on a cause that needs to be done, like the Black Lives Matter movement, like uh, feeding hungry children and, you know, like making sure that um, people in war zones have a place to live. But when you get to the heart of the person that's engaged in the cause, you find some very disturbing tendencies. You find these people sometimes don't live up to the cause that they're championing. Did you ever, have you ever had that experience? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know how, uh, yeah, yes. So, yes. And, and, and I can tell you, I don't really want to name names because I don't think that's fair, but, uh, oftentimes it's celebrities. Um, and it's people who come out and lend their name and their star power to some cause. And then in reality, they're not very nice people. And I, because of having been on the radio, as long as I've been on, I have a list of them. Um, but I, I don't really think that's fair to say that I don't, you know, the purpose of the show is not to out people for being hypocrites. Um, no, so, but, no, but, but yes, I, I knew, I know what you're saying. But the reason I brought it up though, is so that we can use this platform to say to people who celebrity or not, that's not the way to go. I mean, the objective of doing something to help people sends the message that you care. But when you turn around and do something that soils or sullies your name and the work that you're doing, it's not helping anyone, really, because what it does. Go ahead. Well, I know. And it brings down your credibility, because if I mean, if that's why I don't want to mention the the names, because. No, um, No, we don't want to name names, but I just wanted to bring this up because I know a lot of people that do this. And one of the things that's really starting to bother me about the situation that we're in now post George Floyd and post, and I hate to even refer to it that way, but after George Floyd's death and all of the other deaths that have taken place, people that have gotten to a point where they stepped out there and made bold statements in the beginning and started the process uh, of this very painful healing process that the nation and indeed the world needs to go through. And then nothing. The reason I brought this up right now is because we're in a dangerous place right now when it comes when it comes to race in America. The country is in a highly charged state and people are becoming very sensitive about political and cultural issues. And it's important, I think, for the solidarity that we experienced right after the George Floyd murder to continue. A number of people that were very vocal about some of the problems and inequities the nation was facing have disappeared. Some folks have been quiet from the very beginning. And I just have this nagging feeling that, and I hope this isn't true, that we may be losing momentum. I got, I got one for you, if I can, just, I, 
you got me thinking about something. You asked me on a previous episode um, about this has to do with um, uh, Jacob Blake uh, in Kenosha. And you said, uh, and you remember, I was pretty riled up on that show and said, there's just no excuse. to. Shoot I'll say you were in time. Huh? I'll say you were riled up. Yeah, I was very emotional. I still am. But I, you know, I, I, so you said you said, would that have happened if it had been um, somebody who wasn't a black man? And you said, how about a woman? I said, no, I don't think it would happen with a woman. How about an Asian? Wouldn't happen with an Asian. I'm not so sure, though, that it wouldn't happen with a, a young white guy who maybe had an attitude that bothered a cop. Some, you know, sometimes these cops, we accuse them of being racist and some of them are. However, some of them are just crappy cops and they're they're either ill-trained or they're in a mental state where they should not be having a gun and being around the public. And uh, because they should not that uh, they just may be crappy cops. I mean, if I get pulled over and and I'm an older white guy and, and I sit politely in the car and I make sure that the police officer can see my hands and I do all that kind of stuff. I never show any attitude of any kind, even if I don't think I did anything wrong because he's the police officer. It, it, if you start showing attitude, and I'm just I'm talking, I'm thinking I'm just going to describe a guy. He's got long hair. He's white, got long hair. He's got tattoos. Uh, he's uh, he's got a, a bad attitude and he starts sassing back at the cop. I'm not 100 percent sure that a bad cop won't shoot him. And so I don't necessarily always think it's just the color of skin. Sometimes I think it's just the attitude. Um, am I wrong? I can't say you're wrong, but what I would do is ask are there any examples of that? I mean, if there are, if anybody's listening that has any examples of that, we'd like to see them. Yeah, that, you know? that's a good way to do it. Let let somebody let us know. I mean, yes, I, because yes, here's, I have seen examples of, and I've seen be shot, but I have seen examples of obviously drunk um, young men who have been, I've seen them face down on the pavement um, with their hands you know, behind their back being handcuffed and with blood on the ground, probably from being put down. I think it's because they were probably drunk. And that's why the police were called. This this happened what? near where I live, um, where there's a bar that's notorious for this kind of behavior. Um, and police get called there on a regular basis to break up fights or because somebody is drunk or whatever the case is. And I've seen them yeah. uh, affect an attitude. And but I haven't but, seen them shoot somebody in the back seven times, obviously. That's taking you to a different level yeah yeah but, um uh, but i think the attitude can have something and i'm not saying that the jacob blake had a bad attitude i have no idea i still don't know you said to me i hope we find out there's something more here and that's when i think i kind of blew up and said it doesn't matter you still don't shoot somebody seven times in the back you know yeah and, just, but yeah and, and there wasn't anything more you were exactly right and you know as far as we know i right? mean i it was wishful thinking on my part because I knew what the deal was. My intuition just told me then, but I was just hoping that there was some other reason. But, you know, there's no other reason, and there couldn't be any other reason. And even if there were any you know, some excuse, it's still not reason enough to shoot a man in the back seven times. And the thing that I wanted to get to was what you were talking about, about whether or not white guys would be treated the same way, white men would be treated the same way. Uh, if anybody knows of any examples where this, this is happening, where white men are being shot uh, by police officers, let us know. And in the same under the same circumstances, we want to know. But also, are they being shot 
by black police officers. I mean, because this well, I hadn't is, even thought about that. But this is what this is what we're talking about here. Yeah, this, I know. The, the preponderance of the cases we're talking about are highly charged racial cases where black men are being shot by white police officers and killed. And it's it's happening a lot. I mean, it's always been a problem. But one of our people who provided a reflection on race in the show said some time ago, her father's a police officer. She he said to her, it's always been happening. We just now have cameras on it now. So that's what I think we we need to know if and I don't think that's happening, Chris, honestly, I don't think you've got a whole bunch of uh, white guys being shot in the back by black police officers anywhere. If that's the case, I'd love to know about it. Yeah, me too. And we could deal with it the same way. I mean, under under the same standard. But this is a part of the reason why the Black Lives Matter movement is so important right now, because I'm pretty sure this is not happening. What you're that that's just not happening. So, you know, at the end of the day, things are pretty heated right now. And it is really hard for people to maintain their sense of calm, you know, and sometimes we talk about things too much. And that's really weird for what we're doing. But the kind of talk can actually inflame things. And what we want to do here on this program is to keep things in a situation where everything is respectful and it's educational, informational, uh, and we can make some progress. Um, and if anybody has any information that would help us do this along that, along the line of that question, we would certainly welcome it, Chris. Yeah. I'm Chris Core, and I'm white. I'm JJ Green and I'm black. And this is Colors. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. College to Congress is a nonprofit that is dedicated to making Congress look like America, more diverse, more inclusive, and thus more effective. The way we do that is by helping low-income students from across the nation get their starts in a public uh, service career in Congress. Audrey Henson is founder and CEO of College to Congress, and despite their phenomenal success, diversity on the Hill. We're actually doing worse. And worse. so, yeah. yeah, we're doing worse in um, both gender and race. Henson is blunt about what the key problem is. I think the bias that comes in play isn't about race. It's more about economic status. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us at the colors podcast at gmail.com that's the colors podcast one word at gmail.com the time has arrived for us to head out the figurative podcast door today and before we do that we want to thank some people for helping us hillary howard mike jacitis rose varner gaskins melissa howell christian bartolin julia ziegler ellie rowe Greg Strassel, Joel Oxley, Thomas Warren, Mark Recton, James, J.B. Brown, Shamara Morrison, Kevin Stanfield, Jamal Bowens, Dimitri Sotis, and for the music, Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Lauren Dusky. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening. And finally, just remember to keep talking to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.